Why don't, let, me, let me pray for us. Uh, God, thank you for your goodness to us. And thank you that you uh, call us as Christians to live out our faith with others uh, in a body. Uh, thank you that there's a reason you didn't just snatch us up to heaven when we trusted Jesus. Uh, thank you for the lessons and your goodness shown to us by living in a community of faith, the church. And uh, we pray your spirit upon us now as we meet. Uh, pour out your spirit and do all of your work, Holy Spirit, in us uh, that, that you desire. Uh, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we, uh, um, as, as we rev up, I wanted to just at the outset acknowledge a couple realities. Uh, one, we are recording this meeting because so many people asked if it would be recorded. So um, if, if when we get to the Q&A time later on, we don't have like a roving mic that we're going to take around. So if you would express your question, I'll repeat it so that it makes its way onto the recording. And then... Um, and take a swing, maybe me or someone else, some others will be sharing as well, we'll take a, a, a swing at answering that question if we can. I'm sure there'll be some stuff that we're unable to answer. Um, and also, I want to clarify expectations for this meeting because, one, I know emotions are high. This is a high-stakes conversation for, for many people. And just uh, whenever that happens, you know, you, you kind of field a variety of expectations if you're the one leading the meeting. And I've already heard several different misunderstandings as to what this meeting is about or what we're going to do here today. So let me make that really clear. All this is is an informational meeting. There are no votes being taken today. Uh, the purpose of this is uh, simply to share with us as a body more about what's happening in our denomination with regard to the conversation, on, I mean, larger conversation, largely on same-sex uh, practice really is the focus of the conversation, not, not so much same-sex attraction. Um, and, and I get that, you know, we, we have family members who are gay. Some of us in this room might be gay. So we do all of this with a huge covering of grace, uh, understanding at the outset that there are Christians, uh, very faithful Christians, Bible-believing Christians who land in different places on, on this, uh, this conversation. Also, today's meeting would be an inappropriate place to make an extended statement about where you stand. Uh, this is an informational meeting as to what's going on in our denomination. Next week, we'll start that, that six-week uh, kind of seminar regarding human sexuality, and there will be a much more chance for dialogue in that. Uh, and just as a heads up, the first whole week will be about how we talk to each other, right? Not even diving into the issue, but how, how we're going to choose to engage one another as we talk, because that's a huge important piece of this whole thing, uh, as Christians should model to the world what it means to be civil uh, as an example for others. So that's, that's kind of where we're going. That's the big purpose of the meeting today. The where we're going, I thought I would start by just sharing a little of the background on this, I, I'm, um, I, I was a delegate at General Synod last year, so I had the, kind of the experience in full denominationally last June when we met. And then we had um, seven people from our church actually attend a regional synod gathering uh, uh, back in November, I think it was, um, on the work of the Vision 2020 team, which I'll explain in a little bit. So, 
three of them are able to be present today, and I just wanted you to hear from them, kind of what they experienced, how they experienced that, that meeting. Um, and, and then we'll just have some Q&A, um, and, and we'll do what we can, right? So, so largely, this is an awareness-raising uh, kind of endeavor. We want us as a congregation to be aware of what's happening in our denomination. So at, at pains of being uh, uh, redundant, if you know the Reformed Church very well, if you don't or you're newer to this denomination, we are the oldest Protestant denomination in the United States. Don't know if you knew that. It's an amazing thing. We have a long-standing history of mission globally, and uh, this, this particular conversation about human sexuality has been happening for at least 40 years in our denomination, probably longer than that. Um, it, this, this specific conversation, well, let me talk about the organization quickly. We're, we're a, uh, a church, a congregation of the Reformed Church in America. We have a consistory. That's all of our elders and deacons put together. That's the real local leadership level of a congregation. And then in our denomination, from there, the next concentric circle out is called the classis. And that's the, the, the more local region of churches. For many, many years, we were part of the South Grand Rapids classis. So just kind of the south side of Grand Rapids, which in our, in our scenario stretched over to Lansing and down to Allegan, basically, that, that kind of chunk. But just several years ago, our classes grew larger because we were combined with the Lake Erie classes. So the way we're organized now, you've got the fifth, fifth church and then the Great Lakes City classes, which is all of the territory I just explained to you. But now it continues east all the way to include Detroit and all of uh, southeastern Michigan. Our classes now includes the entire state of Ohio and the entire state of Kentucky. We've got this huge classes, though we only have a couple kind of churches in Kentucky. But our classes is much larger geographically now than it was. So we've got church, classes, then the next concentric circle, there are only four, church, classes. The next is regional synod. And our congregation is in the regional synod of the Great Lakes. So our classes is part of that regional synod. And then the, the um, next concentric circle is the general synod, Synod, S-Y-N-O-D, big gathering of representatives of, of the denomination. The General Synod happens once a year in June, and it's made up of uh, pastor and elder delegates from all of the classes of the denomination. Is that an okay, super quick primer? Okay, so, uh, so the, the, what, what has happened at the General Synod level, this big annual meeting, is over the years, there has been quite a conversation about, about human sexuality. And really, the, um, I, I, don't, I don't know how you've experienced this, but when we begin to talk about these issues, sometimes it's tough to have a focused conversation on a clear topic, like what slice of the pie are we actually talking about here? Um, so the, the, the general synod has been having this conversation for uh, probably about 40 years, actually more than that, because one, one of the, uh, actually kind of the initial and still standing theological uh, position of the Reformed Church was written in 1978. So it was kind of written in, in response to some things, and through the years, the General Synod has uh, reaffirmed that, that understanding 
uh, with regard to human sexuality. Uh, so I, I don't know if I, in the e-news we sent out some specific links to a couple different things. I don't know how many of you looked at that. I see some heads nodding. If you, if you didn't, that one of the links is a timeline of general synod statements and kind of conversations as to what has happened through the years. So that's an important one to look at and if you're interested in that to kind of get your mind around where the conversation has been. And then... Um, the other, then, the other link in the e-news uh, dealt then with the more specific matter at hand. So as this conversation has grown in our denomination over the years, um, it, it has become more divisive, at, le- at least that's the way I've experienced it, and, and kind of more heated. Um, and I, I've, in my, uh, I guess, almost 20 years as a pastor in the RCA, been to General Synod probably three or four times, something like that. This has been a major topic every time I've gone. Um, and the, the last times, not counting this past summer, but the previous times I've been, I've experienced that more as kind of, um, uh, how, do, how do I say this graciously? The uh, people for whom this would more quickly be a dividing issue on both sides of the conversation it, uh, the conversation at the general synod level was happening mostly in and through those groups. But this, this past time at general synod, I experienced it differently. And uh, what, what has happened is as, as the denomination has kind of moved forward in this, uh, in 2018, we had an interim general secretary, uh, uh, a, a fellow named Don Pust, who's a wonderful man, but his assessment of the kind of terrain of the denomination at that time was that we needed, we needed as a denomination to somehow come to a point of greater clarity on this. So he, uh, he made a, a proposition, a proposal to uh, the 2018 General Synod. I'm, I'm just going to read a portion of it. I won't, there's a lot of verbiage in here. But here's the proposal. To appoint a 2020 vision group to work to identify possible scenarios, strategies, and consequences for these future options for the Reformed Church in America. And there are three future options. Uh, One, staying together. Two, radical reconstituting and reorganization. And three, graceful separation. And if if you looked at the information on the website, those three options have been given um, I mean, kind of titles, it might be helpful for you, it might not, titles to make it more practical. Staying together is titled on the website, Rearranging the Furniture. You know, staying in the same house together, but we're going to rearrange the way stuff looks inside the house. An option two, radical reconstituting and reorganization is, was uh, kind of deemed uh, tear down the house and rebuild a new house together. And then the graceful separation uh, option was kind of deemed move into separate houses. That's pretty clear, right? It would be groups going different ways. Um, so that, that Vision 2020 group came together and is called the Vision 2020 team. They were given a two-year mandate from 2018, a two-year mandate to report back to the General Senate of 2020 with... Uh, a recommendation and their findings as to the, you know, the uh, 
the consequences of, of each option to do some thinking and reporting on that. So that team began its work after the 2018 General Synod once it was it was pulled together, and it's pulled together from a diverse group of people all over the denomination seeking to be representative of uh, what some have described as a functionally diverse denomination. So this team was built around that. Uh, and then at General Synod last year, that team reported out at the halfway mark, kind of an interim report uh, with an eye toward uh, garnering feedback from the General Synod of 2019 for the purpose of advancing their work so as to make a proposal uh, this coming June. So I was a delegate at that General Synod. And uh, yeah, I, I can say more about that experience. My, my quick take on it was it was very clear to me that we were being prepared for loss. That, that there were, there were uh, kind of webinars that, that gave training on how to prepare yourself to be a delegate at, at uh, General Synod. And it, it focused on um, you know, it, very important things like how to remain uh, an emotionally mature person in difficult conversations, how to speak in a way that other people can hear and, and how to listen in such a way that you're, you're really seeking to hear another person. And there was a lot of, a lot of coaching and uh, equipping around grief and loss uh, with, with the idea that there is change coming to our denomination. And we're, we're now at the point where the possibility of no change is off the table. You know, there, there will be change. We just don't know what that is or what that means. Um, but certainly don't want, you know, as a congregation, we don't want anyone to be kind of blindsided by that. If, if something, something big changes denominationally, we, we just want you to be aware of kind of what's happening. So, uh, so there, there might be a lot, a lot of questions and stuff I'm sure you, you have, but can I ask the three who came to the regional synod gathering? So uh, Kathy and Clyde and Andy, could you make your way up? Um, so we, uh, back in... Are you, I should have gotten stool. Are you okay just standing? Okay. Um, back in um, November, uh, so, so the, uh, this Vision 2020 team that did a year's worth of work and then reported out at General Synod last year, now they've been making a very strong effort. Not, they're, they're working really hard to not just have a conversation among themselves and, and like surprise everybody in June. They're making a strong effort to go out into the denomination to host regional local gatherings. And they've in, they intentionally planned a regional synod gathering in each area of our denomination around the country. So there was a regional synod gathering. Remember church, classes, regional synod, general synod. This was a regional synod gathering uh, where they invited consistories of uh, the churches of that, uh, of that uh, regional synod to come and, and just kind of... Uh, hear more about the work of the team. It was about a four or five hour. No, it was all day, wasn't it? It was all day. Yeah, out at Zion Reformed in, in Granville. I went, Pastor Tracy was there. Uh, Pastor Tracy can't be with us today because she's preaching right now at the drive-in. Um, uh, Andy Allen was there. Clyde Richardson was there. And Kathy McConnell was there. Uh, as were Russ Bloom and Lauren Sweeter, both of whom are out of town today. But I thought it would be good just to, to have the three who are present share their experience of that meeting and any reflections they might have 
Um, so yeah, Kathy, tell us, tell us about it, what, what you experienced. Well, since you all don't know me, I just want to let you know that um, I'm currently serving as pastoral deacon. I've been a pastoral elder a couple times in this congregation, and I'm a child of God, which I hope we all are. We are and right. I went to this meeting expecting the three scenarios to be explained, talked about, examined, and that wasn't the focus. And I was really pleased at the, at the focus that turned out to be was preparing us how to talk and listen to each other compassionately, open-minded, open-hearted, civilly. A lot, of, a lot of that was it. And, and after lunch, we even were given each, we were broken into groups of six or seven to do conversation, to get to know each other. And after lunch, we were, each group was given one of the three scenarios. And we kind of talked about in our group, thinking we'd have to give a report back. The report back was, how did you feel engaging in this conversation with each other? So it was really eye-opening for that whole experience. So, um, the, and what also, and the people that were leading this were, were two of the consultants that were helping to lead this team of Vision 2020. They're wonderful, I mean, the whole team. I, I think all the hard work they've been doing, they've met together many, many times. Great minds, great hearts. I was really encouraged by it all. And even what they said at the end, it's like, when they come to 20, General Center 2020, it might not be any one of those three. It could be something, a blend, right? right? right. I don't know what they called it. They didn't call it a blend, but something different even. Hopefully incorporating the best of all. That's what I was hoping. So there's a lot more we have to learn about as we talk to each other. Hi, my name's Clyde, and uh, some of you uh, don't know my background, and uh, I do... Uh, I was ordained in another denomination before we came to the Reformed Church, and I'm now pleased to be on a classes committee. And when, when I'm on that committee, uh, it, it gives me a little closer feel to the pulse of the denomination. And so when this opportunity came up to go to this committee, it was very important for me to be there because... Uh, I heard various things, and I wanted to get the, basically, the frequently asked questions solved. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I mentioned to Pastor John, there is a frequently asked question um, oh, yeah. uh, place on the website, and I would encourage you all to click that link that will come out in the e-news this week, because it it really brings us to, it kind of leads us to where we are today. Um, so anyway, I was very pleased to be there and uh, to, to see kind of the direction of the denomination. And it was good to get the education about how to listen because there are believers on all sides of this issue. And so for me, it's very important that, that I'm open, um, that I speak my understanding in a way that's not judgmental, but rather here's who I am and here's, here's kind of where, where I came uh, to a decision. But uh, it was very valuable and I'd be willing to talk with anyone about it. 
I'm Andy Allen, and I currently serve on the administrative board for this congregation. Uh, I've served as an elder for this congregation in the past also. And I, along with uh, Russ Bloom, is on the ad board also. So the two of us represented the administrative team. And we, too, thought we were going to hear about these three choices and delve into it and find things out about it. And when we walked in, I don't think Russ would feel funny if I told the story, but he, we sat down and he said, what are we going to do for six or seven hours today? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, I hope we aren't just going to hear about how to talk to each other. <laughs> I couldn't see seven hours of this, you know. Uh, but that was what we experienced, and it was really quite a joyful experience. Um, and we both agreed that it was done in a very healthy manner. And the message that you've heard from both Kathy and Clyde, I'm not going to repeat. I agree with everything that they, I experienced the same things. Um, but I feel like you should know that our denomination has a really committed group of team members that are thoughtfully preparing us for the change. Yeah, 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 thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe stay close. Do you, do you mind just staying up here for a little bit? Um, like they can say no, right? <laughs> no, I don't. Want. Um, what did you say, John? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I, Clyde and I spoke on the phone. Did you want to say anything more to that, or did I hit that with the loss? Yeah. I, I would just reemphasize that as, as we reviewed those three different uh, rec possible recommendations, each one of them, I, th I see things in numbers and columns, each one of them had a sum line and underneath equals change and loss. And I think, you know, this meeting, if it starts us thinking about that. There will be people who you care about here at Fifth who have very different ideas than you do about this. Um, I, we have friends in another Reformed church here in town who already are at a very different place than, than we are. Um, we, our job is simply to, to talk about this openly and to hear one another. There's no telling where we will end up with this. Um, but if we do it in a way that's led by the Spirit, is not judgmental, but, but rather a process of um, learning from each other and, and deciding which way we'll go, uh, we'll all come out of this in a way that's, that's we're supportive to one another and uh, it'll be a good process despite the fact that there'll be loss and there'll be change. No, I, well, I don't want to forget what I was going to say, you know. Um, one of the other things that I did experience um, 
was we broke into these groups and you had to be in a group where you didn't know anyone or really it turned out it was you were supposed to be representing a different church in the group. Um, and our, my group was very in, uh, intergenerational. It was, it was a nice experience from that standpoint. But I also experienced something that I know you have experienced in your workplace, in your family discussions, whatever, that as hard as you have been, or as much as you've been prepared to be a good listener and shut your mouth when you shouldn't be talking because you're supposed to be listening um, and learning to hear. We spent the day learning to hear. Um, the last session that um, I participated in, uh, as Kathy described, it was clear to me people have a hard time learning in one day. So... I sat there with some people going, where were you all day, you know? <laughs> Didn't you hear what we were talking about? So my point in saying this is that it, it's not going to be easy. We have to learn how to open our hearts to be good listeners. Um, and the other thing that Kathy sort of touched on that I thought was really enlightening, you know, everything that you've had to read and we had to read um, were these three proposals. And that day, the scenarios that we were given to discuss were completely different. So this team, it's a moving, ongoing discussion, and I think that's good. So now I thought of two things. <laughs> 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 one of the, I think one of the, well, they're both important. Um, it's this whole process, as we do this as a denomination, the comment has been made by the, the team as we do it, how we do it, that's how the world will judge our denomination. Are we doing this in love is the bottom line. Are we are going to be very divisive and blah, 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 and anger, anger, or are we going to do things in love? That is like overall everything. And the other thing I learned, boy, I've got some prejudice in my mind. There was a, our small group too was very intergenerational, and this young lady came in who, I don't know how old she was, a lot younger than me. <laughs> with the hair different, way different, with piercings. I thought, oh man, this is going to be so different. I loved her. And I loved her. I just, by the end of that six, seven hours, we really connected. It's like, thank you, God, for showing yeah. me that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I was going to hit what Andy said because we talked about that on the phone that the, there's been development. I don't know that I would say what they shared was completely different. But the, right, that's what, but the, the three scenarios that you might have seen on the website. By the way, I struggled with, do I print stuff for you to hand out? I mean, if we printed all that stuff on the website, it would be like 100 pages a person. So if, if you have specific questions about what to read or how to engage after you've looked at that website material, please ask. We'd be happy to direct you toward things. But I did print, um, and I can make more. I made 75 copies uh, just to save paper, but the, these are the three scenarios, version 2.0. So the, these represent the work of the Vision 2020 team up through uh, November of 2019. Um, so I, what, what Andy was alluding to was, you see movement here, and you, and you see kind of advancement of thinking of the team, right? So it, the, the three options are getting a little more nuanced. Uh, in essence. So if you'd like one of these after, I'll just leave them right up here on the table, okay? So let's do, I know we're a bit on the clock because um, 
And if you need to go, it's all grace and peace, right? Just you, you can go whenever you need. But we will end at noon because of the childcare stuff. Uh, so we've got 13 minutes. So what questions do you have, Randy? Yeah, sure. So, so a question was asked about uh, kind of the nebulous conversation about, quote, the issue, and could we clarify that, and then also talk a bit about the way our denomination is differentiated between same-sex attraction and same-sex practice. So these are, these are very, very important things, right? Uh, the, the, um, so uh, let, me, let me do the, uh, wh where the RCA currently stands is, I wrote it down, uh, the current position of this denomination is this. Heterosexuality is not only normal, it is normative. He homosexual acts are contrary to the will of God for human sexuality. That's the stated position of the denomination. Uh, but our denomination has been very careful in uh, saying other things like this. The denial of human or civil rights to homosexuals is inconsistent with the biblical witness and reformed theology. So there's been an, an equal kind of emphasis on our, our calls to love everybody, right? So that's the stated position now. And there is a strong differentiation between same-sex attraction and same-sex practice. So really, if you were, if you were to uh, get the edge of the knife with regard to Christian ethics and the question being asked here, it is whether uh, it might be appropriate for a follower of Jesus uh, to enter a lifelong monogamous union with a person of the same gender, of the same sex. That, that's really the question. Uh, just, just kind of a lot more general questions about like, uh, I, most Christians everywhere agree that, you know, having multiple sexual partners is not an okay thing, or at least not the path of greatest life. You know, so th there isn't disagreement on those things. It's this edge, would it be appropriate for a follower of Jesus to enter a lifelong monogamous uh, union with another a person of the same sex? Does that kind of get at? Yeah, and, and, and th there's nowhere, at least that I've encountered, does anyone in our denomination, uh, oh, that's a pretty, that's too big of a statement, right? Maybe there's somebody, but... The, the vast core of the thoughtful people engaged in this do not understand sexual attraction to be a sin, no matter what kind of sexual attraction it is, whether you're attracted to a person of the same sex or a person of the opposite sex, that attraction itself is not a sin. The question is, what, what do you do with that? Do you, do you choose to act on that or not? I mean, that, that's, where, that's where the Christian ethics question really comes in, and there are believers landing in different places on that. Um, uh, but, but there's a lot more to say about that. So come back next week and for the six weeks, right? Because let's, let's engage that more. For, it's, not, it's not quite fair to say people are just landing in different places. There, there's, there's a lot more that needs to be said, I think, in that. Um, and any other questions? Uh, yeah, David. Is the RCA going to rewrite the Bible? No, no. There is, uh, 
there's a there's a very high commitment to scripture in our denomination. So, yep. Read the Bible then, or what you says, what it does. Yep, yep. Right? I, I understand what you're saying, and it's important for us to understand that there are Christians reading those things and coming to a different conclusion. That's, that's the reality of what's going on. Whether or not we agree with it or not, that is what's happening. Or wh- whether you agree with the way they're interpreting those texts or not, that, that is the reality of where we're at right now. Right? Uh, yeah, Peg. Great question. So uh, just asking for an overview um, in in what's going to happen in June. Will the RCA make a decision and take a stand? And if so, what will happen in our church for all the churches of the denomination? Right. Uh, The answer to that is we don't know uh, for sure. So this, this Vision 2020 team is an advisory team. They have no authority. So they're just researching stuff, trying to come up with a proposal for the General Synod that will meet in June. The General Synod has all of the authority. So this is why, like, we're not taking a vote and submitting it to General Synod. When that General Synod gets together, uh, it, it seems likely that that body will make some kind of decision. Uh, so, right. Right, maybe. Uh, They might make some statement, maybe something like we have now, or the Vision 2020 team might uh, simply say, you know, we propose option two. And the the General Synod talks through the implications of that and says, yes, we're going with option two. And it it could be like that. Um, The General Synod could disregard all of the work of the Vision 2020 team and do something entirely different. Right, they're not bound by the recommendations of this advisory team. Um, well, it's tough to, so at the administrative board level, so the, the, the follow-up question was, how does our church then respond to what the denomination might decide? And at the ad board, we've talked about that. At the very beginning, we were kind of talking, well, we need to get some contingency plans in place, right, for what might happen. But the the numbers of things, the numbers of contingencies of what might happen are so large that you can't really do that, you know. So we don't know. I I guess we just have to kind of see uh, how things unfold and just kind of continue to pray in and take the next best step, Uh, right? I think that's really, really the answer. Lori? Don't the classes have to approve what the general said before it goes reality? Kathy's asking, don't the classes have to approve what the General Synod, uh, uh, did you see that, Mark? Crystal's going to take the mic. Um, um, what, what, yeah, don't the classes have to approve what the General Synod decides? Uh, that's a complicated answer. If, if, it's an, if it involves alteration to our constitutional document, then yes, uh, but there are some other kinds of decisions where the answer is no. And um, yeah, it's messy. And there's a there's a polity 
challenge that we're facing in this, like how we make decisions together. Yeah, Lori. So um, with all these contingency plans and there's so much unknown, um, my question comes on timeline and just hypothetically, a timeline as you, we roll out in June a decision and based on historical, can you project at, at all I, how it would land back here? How, how it would impact us ultimately, yeah. No, thank you. Thanks for the way you asked it. I, I just really don't know how to answer that. So my... My experience at General Synod last year, so this is a telltale kind of thing, right? In pre- previous times I've been there personally, I've had conversations with people and it kind of felt like the fringe groups. But this past time, one of my very good friends, who's a very well-respected leader in the Synod of the Far West, which is everything in our denomination from the Rockies to the West, uh, said that basically unless the denomination Takes a, makes a very clear statement that we believe that marriage is to be between one man and one woman, that that entire section of the denomination will depart and go to a different denomination. And that, that would be about 35% of our denomination will go away. So now whether that would actually happen, I don't know. But now for me personally, the way I'm experiencing it, it's in the realm of people I know and work with and respect and trust and like we hang out and do ministry together. And he's saying this is where this body in our denomination is at. So I trust his read on that. So now if something like that happens, if some big swath departs for some reason or another, I don't know. I mean, then you start facing funding realities. Like suddenly you got a thing that's this big that's now this big and then what begins to happen, how does that, that probably take, takes multiple years to unfold. Um, it, 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 it's possible that the General Synod says, we choose option number three, gracious separation. We annul the denom- denomination as of the end of the calendar year. Every church needs to decide what to do to take their assets and debt with them and go to a different family. That's possible. So, I mean, it, it's possible that in a year the denomination will be no more. So we, we just don't know. Um, but but I, I don't want to like under or oversell something so that your, your range of potential expectations, like we need to have a range of expectations that's this big, right? From no more RC at all to hardly anything changes, really, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kurt, uh, Lois. Yes. So a question was asked, what, what's the root issue? Is it, is it getting down to the marriage of two same-sex people? Not so much are they living together and going about their, their lives on their own. Is it really the marriage thing? This is one of the problems. Uh, we don't agree. We the denomination don't agree about uh, that on which we disagree. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be, that's really, I, I, I experienced the whole, the whole general synod uh, experience for me 
and it was a, it was a lot of like what, what we all experienced on this day in November, that was all of General Synod. So imagine like six days of that, right? So kind of at the end of three-ish days of that or something, there was a report given, I think it was on a Sunday evening, and that was one of the lines from the Vision 2020 team's report. And I was feeling hopeful until I heard that report. And I heard the report of what people in all these kind of medium-sized groups were thinking. And my honest thought was, I don't see how this thing hangs together. Like, I don't, it's not what I want, but I just don't see, so there, there is not clarity on the issue in the denomination, right? So some, some people would say different things. Some think this is more an issue of biblical interpretation. Some think it's more an issue of justice uh, for, for same-sex attractive people that they ought to be able to enjoy. You know, same. Some think it's, uh, yeah, it, it, people are, are all over the map on this. Yeah, so the statement was made, it seems like it would be very difficult to deal with this issue until you identified exactly what you're talking about. I could not agree more. And we seem, we denominationally seem unable to do that. As sad as that might be. Right. Yeah, Kurt. Yeah, given your experience at the General Senate, what is there a percentage of the threshold that need on the vote? A simple majority? A simple majority, or maybe a nuclear option being 63% or more, is there a threshold that the, the, the general senate has to come to for this to be passed? Uh, so the threshold, you know, what's, what's the decision-making threshold? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I think I can answer that. Uh, sorry, I'm, I don't mean to out you as a former denominational staffer, Jennifer. <laughs> I think it's... I think it's a 50%. It, if, it, if it's not, if it's not uh, involving a constitutional change, uh, then it's just a simple majority. So uh, I, I think it's functioning in the realm like we could, the General Senate could choose one of the options based on a simple majority. But given the seriousness of it, is it possible that they would move that threshold up? Probably not. Okay. Because, uh, because of... So, so the, the question was asked, given the seriousness of that, is it possible that they would move the threshold of decision-making up, meaning request a supermajority approval rather than simple majority? Um, my read on that is no, because at the last General Synod, the General Synod gathered there actually tried to reduce the majority vote level because one of the issues, again, not being able to agree on that which about which we disagree. Some think there's, this is fundamentally a polity issue or the way the general synod is constituted from among our denomination. Uh, and, and therefore, because the general synod is not truly representative of the people of our denomination, what happens there gets funky and not representative, right? So when you, when you get back to the 66% supermajority kind of thing, we suddenly are stuck and nobody can make decisions. It seems. So, um, so given that it's noon. It's noon, yep. <laughs> we want to let people have an opportunity to feel like you can leave and get your children and so forth. But I wanted to kind of comment on something Lori was looking at, like what is a timeline? And 
what can we do as a church? And so as an ad board, yeah, right. we determined what we can do is inform you. But we can't make any decisions right now. But we can all start doing and learning together about the issue. So we're learning this all together. And we certainly don't have all the answers to the questions. But we are willing to listen. So, John, yeah. I don't know if you've yeah. One more. And then we're, we're going to let people go. Yep. I know. It's new. Um, it was explained to us this advisory team that's from all across our denomination. When they get together, when they decide to go forward to say anything, they have to be 100% in agreement. 100%. So they hash out, you know, all these statements have been hashed out, I mean, a lot. And if I to make each scenario subset, things have been really, really talked about, and they have to come to 100% saying, yes, we don't agree with this, we won't talk about it, we'll do something else. They had to be in 100%, and I thought that was very encouraging. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to stop and let people go, but I'll stay up here. So if you'd like to come forward and continue the conversation a little bit, I'm happy to do that. But don't go yet. Let's pray. The, the one other thing we can do is pray and fast. And the, the ad board will also be unrolling that as we kind of move through this, especially as we get closer to June. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your goodness to us, for your grace to us. Uh, we, we do love you and pray that you would pour out your spirit on your church uh, here and around the world, that you'd cause unity to be formed in the name of Jesus and that you would help us all focus on the essentials of our faith and draw close to you. Uh, we love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody.